Hello, my wonderful listeners. This week's conversation is with Alexandra Ndolo. Alexandra is a German fencer who is half Kenyan, half Polish. And I knew that I had to chat with her because I don't know about you, but I have noticed from a long time ago that there's no one who has this whole mind game figured out. And by mind game, I mean being in control of your mind mastering your mind, the law of attraction, staying in the moment, being present. No one has it figured out as well as professional athletes. And Alexandra was the proof of that. I think you'll be fascinated to hear, A, what it takes to compete in professional sports and competitions, and B, how amazing her mind works and how much control she has over her mind. She's like a true representation of your mind being your muscle that you have to train. So we chatted a lot about that, about how much your mind has uh, a role or how big of a role your mind has in, you know, in her case, fencing, but really I feel like it transfers throughout your whole life, really. And we also chatted about our backgrounds because she's half, half Polish. So we chatted about the Eastern European side of things, difference in cultures and life in Europe, and also social media and being a public figure and certain negative aspects of social media and putting yourself out there. And I know you'll enjoy this conversation. And if you do, as per usual, please give it five stars, thumbs up, whatever the rating button is on the platform that you're listening to this on. Enjoy and stay blessed. Nice to have you on Ketamania, Alexandra. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We kind of started to dive into the subject of your Slavic roots and then your African roots. And that's like the first thing I want to talk about because you're gorgeous. And I feel like that's why, because you're half Kenyan, half Polish, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, So my dad's Kenyan and my mom's Mm -hmm. Polish. And um, I mean, people from the former UDSSR, they know that there used to be a lot of scholarships. So my dad was actually an academic scholarship um, recipient. And that's why he met my mom in Poland at university. I love that. Uh, You kind of, so I I have quite a few friends from like East Africa and obviously lots of Eastern Europeans and Slavic Slavic people. So I feel like you're like a combination of very beautiful, um, very beautiful genes, you know? So that's why you're so gorgeous. (laughs) That's awesome. And you were born in Europe, right? Exactly. I was born and raised in Germany, which adds another (laughs) layer to that whole background story, um, because my dad did his PhD in Germany. So he met my mom at uni in Poland, and then they moved after they both graduated, they moved to Germany. And that's where me and all my sisters were born. That's awesome. And how is life in Germany? Um, It's great. I mean, I was born here and raised here, so I would say um, out of the three cultures, that's maybe the one that I know the most of, because yeah, I mm-hmm. spent summer holidays in Poland with my with my grandma and my cousins and everyone, um, and if people look at me, they think usually more of a black woman than than of Europe, but Germany is, is really like, I, I know, I would say almost everything, because I grew up right. there, um, yeah. It's it's your home, right? Do you yeah. feel like you have a home in in, I guess, because that's I feel like that's what happens with either when you immigrate or when you're when you have such a rich cultural background, you kind of end up feeling at home everywhere you go in a way, like all the places where you come from, so to speak. And but you also kind of feel like you're not at home in all those places because you're so. Do you feel that as well? Um, I feel. I feel fine almost everywhere in the world, I would say, because I've also traveled so much for work. Um, I feel very connected to all three, um, let's say all three countries you know, that, mm. that combine, uh, that I combined within me, but I don't fit in a hundred percent anywhere. That's a feeling that I've had since I was a little kid, because in Europe, I, I wasn't white, right? So I was perceived as black. And then in Africa, or especially in Kenya, which I know the most, when I go there, people often call me um, the name Mzungu or the phrase Mzungu, which means white person. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> I'm always kind of in between. And then um, even though I have a German passport and I consider myself definitely also German, 
there will be people who will say, but if neither of your parents come from this country, then how can you consider yourself German? You know, so it's always like, and yes, everywhere and but nowhere fully, nowhere a hundred percent. Right. You're like, I'm a global citizen. Okay. Like I, yes, I feel, exactly. yeah, it's, yeah. I feel like in the last few years, especially I have since getting my Canadian passport, I've also sort of reconsidered the way I think about like citizenships and countries, you know, because so many people move to places that, you know, where the lifestyle is a little bit better, where you have more opportunities. So this whole idea of like, um, almost nationalism is kind of mm, not, I don't want to say dying down. because you still, you, a lot of people feel patriotic and attached to a certain place, which is fine. But also like, I don't know, I love this idea of being a global citizen and just going to places where you're treated best or where you see more opportunity where, you know, like, it's just, it makes perfect sense to do that. You know, so I really like the idea of being proud of um, mm -hmm. the places that you live in or the places that you come from. I just don't like that whole, we are better than you approach, you know? So I, I know what's, going really well in Germany, but I also know what's going <laughs> not quite so well at the moment, you know? Right. Uh, the same goes for Kenya, the same goes for Poland. And I would never say, oh my God, Poland is perfect, because it's not. I know, you know, all the issues, and I still find things that I really, really love about this country. So I'm, I'm proud of the good stuff and the bad stuff. I'm kind of like, okay, we should work on it and we should talk about it. That's such a good, like, I, you know, if everybody in the world thought that way, I feel like we wouldn't have any of the problems on a global scale that we have, right? Like that idea of like, hey, I'm proud of where I come from. I prob I'm proud of my roots. I'm happy. I wouldn't change anything about it. But I'm not better than somebody just because I come from a place that I come from, you know? And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people have this like thing, right? Where they're like, no, well, our, our, our place is better and we're gonna, if, you know, we're, we're gonna compete or we're gonna, yeah, I, I really... You know, if I could highlight something for the whole world right now, it would be that phrase that you just said is, yeah, be proud of the good stuff, but also like, don't, don't be arrogant about it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, so your English is perfect. Is that because you obviously would have, you know, German since you were born in Germany and you live there. This is a very ignorant question of me. I know that in Germany, people speak English very well, but you like don't even have a German accent. So you spoke English growing up as well. No, no, actually, that is so funny because just today I thought about the fact that if I think of my father, I think in Polish because my parents decided once um, once we moved to Germany or they moved to Germany, they decided to teach us Polish because it's a way more difficult language than English. And so I spoke Polish with my dad and English actually, I mean, I heard it through my parents' friends, but I learned it in school like all the other kids too. I think I don't have an accent because... Maybe I grew up multilingual, you know, so maybe you, hmm. you develop an ear. And also I lived uh, in Phoenix for a year as an exchange student. And um, once I adapted to the accent, it just stuck. Amazing. What about your, so you, you mentioned that you were in the army for 11 years before we started recording. I want to hear about that before we get to fencing. Cause yeah. my, my, you know, thought was just good to go straight to fencing and, and, and how you got into that. But let's talk about the army. That's so cool. It's <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Um, in Germany, that's usually the way how the government supports elite athletes. So unless you are a male soccer player where there's a lot of money in the system, a lot of sponsorship, you, um, you, you go to the army and the army has one group, which is called the sports soldiers where yes, you do basic training, which was very serious. Um, uh, other than that, you're basically paid to win medals and do your stuff, but um, it's one year contract. So that's, what's kind of stressful because it's not usually when you join the army, you can sign up for at least in Germany, four years, eight years, stuff like this. We had one year contracts. And if you didn't perform on a, um, athletic level, they would kick you out like every year in the summer, um, my federation and the army would meet and they would be like, okay, is she up to par? No. Okay. Then I would have been gone. Yeah. You get kicked out. Oh, wow. So you were, you knew you were going to be dedicated to an athletic life and that's why you chose to go to the army. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, there comes a point when uh, I went to college and I finished a degree 
Um, and fencing was just going really well, which I was bothered with <laughs> because I'm very optimistic and I believe in myself. But, you know, I didn't want to ask my parents for financial help anymore. I was just like, okay, um, that, that is not the age. I was 24, 25, and I just said, you know, this, yes, for me, it's a job, but to my parents, it might look like a hobby, right? So asking them well, to Well, especially me, like East African and Eastern European parents, like for yeah. sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> they have that mentality, unless you're a doctor or a lawyer, like what are you yeah. even doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 To this day, my mom is like, I think she's stressed for me, even though I said, mom, I mean, I've done it for so many years. It's going well. I've proved myself, but she's still like, <laughs> explain that lifestyle you have to be oh my god <laughs> oh I love that yeah. that's so funny yeah amazing and so you got into it you got into fencing how early in life I got really late into professional fencing because I was doing yeah. sports all my life but I first did track and field since I was like four or five years old then when I was 10 I started doing a sport which is extremely crazy it's running horseback riding shooting swimming and fencing um mm -hmm. i did it because my, my older sister did it and i fell in love with it but fencing was just one of the five sports so you can imagine it's just a small part you don't learn all the specifics and uh even the formula of the competitions is very different to the fencing that i do now i did that until i was 16 and then i had to quit because um yeah my, my team dissolved the coach left the club and when I was 21, I decided to try one more time to be a professional athlete, or actually the first time as an adult, and just see how far it goes or how far I can go in the sport. Looks like it went really far. Good for you. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've always been curious about fencing. I've never tried it. I remember when I first moved to Canada, I just wanted to try it, right? Because it, to me, it just looks so like elegant. It's intense, but it's like elegant somehow. And I love that it's it's got that, I guess, vibe to it, for lack of a better word, right? When you when you watch it, it's somehow it's like almost mm, it's you have to be so focused on watching it that it feels like a meditation to you when you're watching it. And it always seemed to me like if you're if you're in it, that must be like the level of focus that you have to maintain. I mean, it's like that with any sport, really, like tennis, for example, you have to be very focused, right, to succeed. But with fencing, it's just so like to the point. Mm -hmm. um, but I never ended up trying it, actually. So it's, yeah. We have, it's, to, we have to get you in a fencing We suit. have to. I actually know to. where, because there are some clubs in your city, so... We'll make that oh, happen. I'll show you. <laughs> I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Next time you're you're in Canada, I'm going to make sure that I'm here as well because I booked a trip. I know you were saying you're coming here. Um, but next time, definitely, I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm in Canada. So how often do you travel for competitions and such? So at the moment, I travel once a month. Um, we have those. Oh, wow. we have like Yeah, we have a World Cup series and it's all around the world. So this um, this month, there was a competition in Italy. Next month, there's one in Canada. The month after, we're in Qatar. End of March, for example, we're in China. So really, um, every every month, there's one big one. And we also have every year continental championships and world championships. So out of the 12 months in the year, I have a season that goes for 11 months. So it's quite intense. So your life basically is constantly revolving training and, and, and working towards competitions. If you're not competing, you're training all the time. Is that correct? I guess it would look like this for outsiders. I still think that I, I still think I have free time. My friends, especially because most of my friends have nothing to do with professional sports. They would say like, uh, no, we never see you. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, I mean, I train six days a week, once or twice a day. So maybe it is mostly fencing. But as I said, I feel like I still get to do so much other stuff. I mean, I just, you have to be very well organized and I guess very disciplined to have the possibilities to do other stuff. Um, last year and the year before, I wrote a children's book that came out this spring. So I did do other things and I plan on doing other things. It just means that I really have to be careful what I what I do with those free moments that I have 
twice a day training. So for all of our listeners who, or, or my audience who, who messages me and says, I don't have time or uh, for workouts, right? This is specifically for workouts. Like, oh, you know, half hour a day or 15 minutes a day to do yoga or something like that. Uh, I'm too lazy. Just just play this part of this this podcast where Alexandra said she trains <laughs> twice a day, six days a week. <laughs> you know, like when you hear something like that, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. You know, I understand you're a professional athlete. So exactly. obviously, it's, you know, it's my but, job. but it's, yeah, yeah, but but still, I, I find it yeah. very motivating when when you hear that. I went to Cirque du Soleil um, oh, wow. two weeks ago mm-hmm. and I walked out and I was like, wow, I better like up my stretching game, you know, because you see them do such crazy <laughs> stuff that it inspires yes. you. You're like, wow, yeah. now I'm going to like go yeah. and learn how to do this and learn how to do that. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's amazing. And what would you say just, you know, because it's such a level of curiosity, I think, that everybody has. Like, what does your diet look like? For example, do you are you very strict on how you eat and what you can put in your body and stuff like that? I I always say that I don't have a strict diet, but it's kind of the same like with the answer I just gave you because from outside it might look like, no, 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 you do. But you have to understand that I grew up with people from countries where um, it was absolutely normal to cook, right? There was, whether in Kenya nor in Poland, there was like highly processed food in the time my parents yeah. were young and grew up and learned how to cook themselves. So my dad was an awesome cook. Um, and even when we wanted french fries he would make them himself and they will not be bad for you right so i'm just not really into fast food um yeah i grew up like really with a really healthy diet i would say and so i eat as much as i want but i don't eat highly processed stuff where i don't even have the craving for like a lot of sugar stuff like this like you can't tempt me with that because i think my my um let's say food belt yeah palate your palate is, is yeah. yeah yeah it's just different you know so <laughs> yeah isn't that interesting how that works I think I had to unlearn sugar because I liked sugar before but I find that if you really convince yourself that it's really bad for you and you almost like when you start taking care of your body when you really start watching like okay this is really bad for me I'm not gonna put this in in, in my body your body almost starts to reject it so now I don't really crave sugar yeah. You know, it doesn't really, I don't really have a particular craving to eat anything bad per se. Yeah. The only guilty pleasure that I have is wine. Like I love glass of dry mm-hmm. red wine. That's my favorite thing. But other than that, your, your, your body gets used to what it gets used to, you know? So it's so interesting that you're saying like from a young age, because you weren't eating processed foods, you said that. And I thought about, I had pretty much the same thing. Like we didn't really have fast food, like in former USSR countries. Course, yeah. Like that just was not yeah. a thing, right? Yeah. McDonald's was like the most glamorous place to exactly. be when it first opened. It still yeah. is actually. Like yeah. when I go back home, I'm like, people go there to pre-drink because they serve like, yeah. I think beer there. Really? And you have like luxury vehicles in the parking lots. People will be like literally like a glamorous, you know, pre-drinking spot. Let's so take some it's just look where we are. Exactly. Where from? <laughs> yeah. I think people are now realizing that it's really bad for you. But yeah, like before, I remember it was it was so bizarre. Like you, especially like after living in Canada, I'm like, ooh, McDonald's here is like yeah. really not that cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. I think it's, it's also the fact um, because, how you said, once your body is off certain things, it tells you that it's feeling good. I know what what my body feels like when I'm in great shape, when um, I'm, I mean, I hardly ever drink. So, you know, I know what it feels yeah. like not to be hungover or, you know, all those things. And once you know that feeling, you, you kind of don't want to go back, you know. So um, also, I'm not 20 anymore. <laughs> so when you're 20, you can drink whatever, right? You don't get, get a headache. But now I really think about, is it worth it? I don't want to get a headache. And also I don't yeah. want to lose half a day just feeling like really bad. So I will never say anything against that one glass of wine or two, you know, but anything excessive, I just, yeah. it's not worth it for me. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with you. It's, it's just the feeling and some people are like, well, it's only half a day. And I'm like, half a day is a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and to feel sick for that half a day 
And for me, it's the same thing. Like I, the only alcohol I can drink is wine. I can't drink anything else. I get sick instantly from it. I don't know. And if I have like that one extra glass, it's not even that I get sick, but I have like panic attacks in the middle of the night. It's so weird. My heart like oh, starts wow. racing yeah. and, and I'm like, it's not worth it. Why would I do that? That's not yeah. fun. You're, you know, yeah. you're supposed to be having fun with this and you're not even having fun. So yeah, for sure. And in terms of, you know, I want to, I guess, go back to the lifestyle of a professional athlete because this is so cool. But do you ever find you have, you know, days when, for example, because um, this is such an interesting subject to me, during your cycle, when you are feeling like you're a little bit less maybe active or you want to be less active, and how do you deal with that? Like as somebody who has to, you know, be somewhere at a certain time and perform at your best. Yeah. So um, it changed, actually. Um, I would say that 10 years ago, I didn't feel any difference. Now I can feel it. Uh, and a friend of mine who's a bit older than me, she said, yeah, yeah, this is like the hormones start affecting you more the older you get. Apparently, that's what she said. So I trusted her. Um, so... I obviously always have to go to training anyways, and uh, I go, but what I can feel is that there are days when I'm not as, I would explain it as stable, you know, because mm -hmm. in fencing, especially with your hips, you need to have a very stable stance. And there are those days when I feel just shaky and I can't get my, my ligaments, you know, like my ligaments are clearly softer than they would be on other days. And I kind of communicate that with my coach and I just say, okay, I don't feel very stable today. So we're not doing any crazy stuff, not taking any risks because I don't want to injure myself. So I will show up, but I might train differently. I will do something because fencing is um, because, you know, you have an opponent, so you never know what they're going to do. So on those days, I would maybe try to do something that is more safe that I have under control, like doing a light workout at the gym, you know, in the weight room, stuff like this, or just a core workout where I am always in control of how I end my movement. Yeah, that's fair. I thought about that because I've been so obsessed with cycle syncing lately. And, you know, same thing. I, I started to feel it a lot more, like in the last couple of years or so. And I thought about it, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm cycle syncing. And this week I'm taking it easy. And I was like, what if you're a professional athlete? Like, what do you do <laughs> when you can't take it easy, yeah. you know, and your body? Because there are days when I'm dying, right? Not mm -hmm. literally, but I feel yeah. very tired and I feel like I'm hurting and stuff like that. And it's just, I was like, this is a, this is quite a privilege that I can just like take a rest, you know, yeah. or, <laughs> but even, even amongst, moments when you it would appear that you can't do that you're still managing it which is awesome yeah and you know also i mean the the mind is such a powerful tool so i've if when it comes to a competition i can block it out completely because i've competed with injuries like really severe injuries and the adrenaline and my mind just blocked out the pain and stuff like this this is obviously nothing that i would recommend uh to, to someone who doesn't earn a living with it or who's not like, you know, sometimes the championships just comes along and you need to decide whether you want to take the risk as an adult or not. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you can block it out, but I would never do that for training. It's only for those really important moments. Like I had it once at world championships, right? So, and it was an injury and I talked to my doctors and I asked them, what is the worst that could happen? What's, <laughs> you know, what's the best we can hope for? And after that, I made a decision, but it was an informed decision again as an adult. So don't do it with your kids. Right. <laughs> right. I want to, I want to zone into that. Let's talk about your mind and how much does your mind matter when it comes to winning and performing well and all of that? I think fencing is a highly psychological sport and I am aware that if you run or swim or anything where you compete against the clock, it's also psychological, but it's very different if you have an opponent and it's about me making sure that I win. So you have to lose because I remember when I was swimming, swimming as a teenager, we could be friends. I just had a better time than you, but here it's like actively I have for me to win, you have to lose. And that makes it very, very challenging at times, you know? And, um, at a certain point, uh, a good friend of mine, an older mentor, once told me, you know what, at the big championships, 
there will be so many people who are in great shape. Most people will be in shape, whoever arrives on that platform on that day. So it will be decided in your mind. And um, it is a bit crazy gunning for gold or silver or bronze medal and saying, telling yourself, yes, today out of 180 people, that will be me. You know, but you, but you need to have that positive self-belief. You also need to be able to focus a lot. Um, I can hold this tunnel vision for, for 12 hours if I have to. You know? um, so it's, it's a lot of training. And I think it's also, especially in today's society, it's very, very tough to be able to, to keep that, um, that level of focus up. So how do you do it? Like you're, you said you can keep that for 12 hours. How do you not, cause you know how like the biggest problem with when you're trying to, cause this is such a fascinating subject. I love it so much because it relates to everything. Right. And I found that athletes have it figured out the best, like this whole mind game athletes have it figured out the best and it fascinates me. So, you know, the biggest problem with when you're trying to train your mind to see yourself, like to have a certain self-image or focus on something, the biggest challenge is there's like, I had a friend who called it that little voice that shows up in your head, Nancy. I don't know why, no offense to Nancy. If your name is Nancy, I'm sorry. But like she called it Nancy or like, I think I heard Joe Rogan call it the inner bitch. It just, it starts talking inevitably and it starts saying stuff like, well, no, like, why would you like, really, you think you could do that? How do you manage that? How do you silence that voice for a whole 12 hours if you need to? Um, okay. So I think a part of this is my initial character that I'm, I'm mm -hmm. very optimistic. I don't know why, but I have a weird mix of being very realistic and also insanely optimistic. <laughs> you know, I will look at a situation and be like, well, that's what we have to do now. Let's get it going. And five minutes later, I will tell one of my girlfriends, but I will end up on the podium on the highest, you know, platform one day. And she'll be like, what? <laughs> okay. If you believe that, I'm like, yes, I believe it. It will happen. So I think part of this is just me. And the other part is... I was, I was bullied in sixth grade, like quite severely bullied all year long. And I remember getting out of that whole experience and kind of being like, it, I don't care what these, unfortunately it was all girls. <laughs> I don't care what these girls say. I will accept myself and I love myself. And it's so weird that a 12 year old would like actively tell herself, I like me. But ever since I've been like, you don't like me, okay, good. That's your problem, you know. I, I like me and I believe in myself. And I think that kind of stuck, you know. So I always reach for the highest level. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine. I know that I will be okay because I'm okay with myself. But why not try? I mean, what what if it happens? What if, you know, we make it happen? So um, I wouldn't call that voice like Nancy or bitch or whatever. But um, <laughs> my sports psychologist, he calls it fear. And he would say, right. whenever fear comes in, tell, tell them, oh, yeah, okay, I see you. That's an irrational thought. That's just you. Hi, nice to see you, but now you have to go. You know, So we kind of, when it, if she comes up in those 12 hours or whatever I have to do, I'll just silence her with that, <laughs> that, that fear and just tell them to go away. I like that. So you do it in a really like gentle way. It's like, hey, thank you for showing up, but mm -hmm. I'm not gonna listen to you because you're yeah. you're just you're irrational and yeah. I don't like you. So go away. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I I wanted to. You said you don't know why you're such an optimist. Every Kenyan I have met, I feel like it's the Kenyan in you because every Kenyan <laughs> I have met, yeah, everyone is so positive and so sweet and so nice, and I just. You you said you're an optimist, and I remember my first friend in Canada was from Kenya. And anything that could go wrong and you would tell her about it, she'd be like, no, look at all these other things that could go right. <laughs> like, she would just right away, like, no, 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 let's not focus on the negative. Let's focus on all of the positive that could go right. And I remember just thinking my first impression, you know, my first, I guess, introduction to um, Kenya and anyone from Kenya was like, wow, you know, she's so positive. And then I met a couple more people, and I was like, you're all just so like optimistic and positive and I love it you know yeah. yeah and when it comes to also you know you mentioned you 
you were bullied. It's such an interesting subject because I've met people who were very severely bullied and they came out of it, I guess, better than they would have if they weren't bullied is what they said to me. You know, I was bullied too when I was, when I was in grade three Mm -hmm. and same thing, like it, it makes you tougher. So there's, I feel like a level obviously where it goes too far and it's, and it's obviously needs to be dealt with and interjected, but so many times I've heard stories of people who have succeeded like more than, you know, 99% of the population, let's say, and they, they all had to overcome some kind of challenge that is related to bullying or some form of violence in their life, so to speak. Right. So it's very interesting. I think the most interesting people were bullied. So I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. But yeah, if I'm thinking of my children, if I could give them a way of just maybe three months of bullying to make them more yeah. empathetic, you know, and not not being harmed in a, in a, in a lasting yes. way, I would almost wish that on, on anyone because it's it's such a profound experience of of a group of people because I'm not talking about one-on-one fights but if a group of people decides yeah. to just be mean to you for a long period of time um that's just insane but really the most interesting people I've ever met they were bullied and in the end um it's difficult for a child to to understand it but I think the prom king and the prom queen those are not the interesting people later on in life. It's no, usually the, right? the weird, awkward ones that were bullied that are like <laughs> such such cool people. Yeah. Yeah. You learned how to stand up for yourself. And you, it, I mean, again, it could go the other way, but everyone I've met who, you're, you're right, who has achieved some really great results in life or who's doing something super interesting, they've all been bullied. And yeah, you learn how to stand up for yourself and you also like you said, like you learn almost like a part of you that overcomes it. And you're like, wow, I overcame that. So that's, that's awesome. I'm going to love myself yeah. for that. Or, you know, like it's, it's cool. You said like at 12 years old, you realize that you need to love yourself. That's, I love myself for who I am and I don't care what you say, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very, very interesting. What about, I want to, you know, cause it's just such an, such a cool, I think, subject that relates to sports and everything else when it comes to your mind and law of attraction do you believe that you know so you're saying you you manage your mindset and you can manage it for a long time how much does law of attraction play into your win so if if you go into a competition and you just see yourself winning how how does that work like when you see yourself winning do you win when you when you kind of aren't feeling as confident does that how, how does that all affect the game I think and I the use, competition yeah I think I use law of attraction beforehand so in my training mm-hmm. process that's when I I envision stuff I have vision boards um <laughs> I have journals you know and so I tell myself what I want to reach but for me personally it works best once the big day has arrived to just be in the moment because it doesn't help in, in that moment, you've done all the preparation. You've gone, especially like before big championships, like the training can be really, really brutal. So this is what keeps you going, right? Your, your, your dreams. But on the big day, just stay in the moment. Don't get distracted by where you want to go. Don't get distracted what, for, about what happened. Just, um, I always tell myself the next touch, because that's how we call it in fencing, the next touch, the next touch, and the next touch. And I managed to get myself so much in the, also in the zone um, or in the flow during a match that I might have won because we, we fence up to 15 touches, but there are moments when I don't even look anymore at the scoreboard. I just focus on going and the ref will have to tell me like, Hey, um, it's over <laughs> by the way, stop. I mean, like, Oh, okay, good. You know? And um, for me, it, it functions really well like this because um, if you're just in the here and now, the f- fear also can creep in. I don't know how else to phrase it, but it's kind of like, okay, here, this is all that I can do. I don't know what happens in an hour. Um, Also in fencing during the day, because we have like these direct elimination rounds, kind of like in tennis, you know, the number one seed against the worst seed. And so until you reach the final, there is always half, half, half people uh, lose and they go off. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you would go to a competition and say, oh, look, you know, um, probably she's going to win. It almost never happens. 
there's always a surprise. So why would you look three matches ahead and be like, oh, in three matches, I'm going to fence against her. I'd rather just do what I can do now and, and try to win against the opponent that I have right now and then mm -hmm. see whatever opponent comes up next. What are some tips for staying in the moment? How, how do you make sure that your mind doesn't wander around and think about, you know, if somebody says like, oh, this person is going to win, how do you prevent yourself from being like, what if they win, you know? I think in fencing, it's very easy because it's such a technical sport. I mean, you have to move so fast. And um, I mean, my, my tip is so small and I might try to, to hit the opponent right behind their guard on the arm. So to do that in full movement while she's also moving, you need, you need to be in the moment. Like you cannot be like, oh, you know, look at that or look at that. So I think in, um, while you're moving, it's kind of easy. Um, and if I should find my mind straying, I have some techniques like, you know, you can touch certain parts of your body to bring yourself back. Um, yeah, or just, I usually also have like a, loop of phrases you know that i repeat in my mind that kind of bring almost me like back. mantras yeah mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah. yeah like affirmations yeah yeah affirm a mix of affirmations and just kind of things that very clearly say hey be here and music also helps but that's also just me some people don't like music during the competition i like music certain types of music um, i always have a competition playlist um, that I, that for every competition, it's a different one, or at least for every big competition, I have a different one. So you have certain steps that you take to make sure yeah. that you're in the right place. Yeah. What I'm gathering from you is you really, you know, I think a lot of people think that like their mind is in control of them. Like, you know, sometimes people say like, well, my thoughts are racing and I can't control them. Like, I just can't, I can't control what's going on in there. And I feel like you're the prime example of the fact that you are in control of your mind, not the other way around. Yeah, the, the mind, it's, it's also a muscle if you want to think about it, you know. So focus is something that you need to practice. It doesn't help to just have big muscles or, or strong muscles or be super flexible, whatever sport you're playing. Your mind needs to be sharp as well. And um, of course, I'm not perfect. So sometimes I struggle with it too, you know, I mean, we have Instagram, which we both use and which, which I love. But sometimes it's also a bit of a burden because there's so much information. You can just, you know, swipe, swipe, swipe. And then all of a sudden you're like, huh, 15 minutes of my life just passed by and I have no idea what I actually looked at. Or 15 seconds, what? What happened the 15 seconds before, you know? So at certain moments, I also have to limit my time on Instagram or social media in general or just during competition, my phone is in flight mode. And I've talked mm. about it to younger colleagues who don't want to do that. And I told them, uh, I don't think you can be in the competition hall, go on Instagram for 20 minutes and then be, be directly in the zone again. I would not recommend it. I can totally see that. It's If I go on my phone like half hour before bed, I'll like dream about something that yeah. I saw. So it definitely affects you, like, yeah. for sure. Do you use TikTok? Not yet. I have an account, which I created some years ago. And I went on and I was like, huh, I'm not sure about that whole dancing. And I went off. But I know that by now TikTok is so much more, you know. But just in the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't, hmm, maybe I'll give it to my youngest sister. I don't, what? No. <laughs> right. I want to give it I want to give it another try for sure. Yeah. It's it's weird cuz I like downloaded it. My social media career took off on it first. Mm -hmm. And then I just, you know, Instagram is stimulating. TikTok is a whole other level of stimulation I find. And I don't know, I find it lately especially a little weird. So I like I moved away from it. I still have it, but I moved away from it. Instagram is definitely my main platform. I don't know. And then there's also like this weird thing that like when anything happens on a global level, yeah. you get it shown to you, or at least that's, that's what I noticed like so much, yeah. even though you're not like, I'm not necessarily spending time 
on that particular issue, like or or searching it. Quite the opposite. Sometimes, you know, I'll often go on TikTok to entertain myself, like to have that little bit of, you know, brain brain death after like a long day or something. Yeah. And then I open it and it almost seems like it's on purpose. Like they're trying to show you all of these like events that are going on in the world to maybe freak you out a little bit. Because I know it's different. Like in China, they say TikTok is like they learn math on TikTok. Kids learn math oh, on TikTok. And they so learn. Different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they learn. And there's a notification apparently that pops up after you spend like a, a certain amount of time there. There's a notification that pops up that says you spend a lot of time on this app, like just to let you know. Yeah, We don't have that here. We like, don't have- notify you no, if you spend no. like four hours on yeah. it. It's not going to tell you. So it's weird. But yeah, it's it's very, very stimulating. Just I guess I just wanted to zone in on on, you know, how stimulating social media is. And some people have like Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and they'll yeah. go on all of those platforms, you know, within a span of like an hour and then your brain is just like firing on all cylinders and it's no wonder you'll feel anxious or yeah. you won't yeah. be able to focus on things. How do you, I mean, I know you're asking the questions, but that is a question that I really, I've talked to my friends so much about lately because how do you deal with the fact that you have a platform, we both have a platform and you can use your voice and I I use it, but I don't want to use it for every conflict that is happening on the planet, especially because not even every conflict is being highlighted. So I had a really long talk about this with a good friend the other day, and I told her, you know what, um, I already feel how, or I know how anxious it makes me feel seeing all these horrific videos and pictures. I yes. don't necessarily want to add to this. I want to be... I mean, my platform is talking about myself, <laughs> talking about my sport and giving people yes. hopefully like a, a positive message. Would it really help for me to highlight all those different horrible things that are happening on the planet? So I still haven't figured it out 100% how I want to approach this, but it's, it's, it's a, a big thing. I don't know. It is. It is a big thing. And I think people are... People are very quick to, you know, shoot at you and say, like, you have a platform. Why aren't you using your voice? And it's like, first of all, I do use my voice, but I always like this is kind of the the questions that I ask myself is, am I contributing to something good in this world? Mm -hmm. And we have a huge problem, and especially in the Western world uh, with division. Yeah. You know, in Canada, people are very divided. In the United States, it's like whole other level of division uh western europe i know same thing and i always ask myself like anything i post am i contributing to that divide or am i trying to unite people in some way shape or form and inevitably no matter you know you breathe and people find that annoying right so (laughs) inevitably of course there's going to be people who are going to find something to to pick at and 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 not like you and they'll get angry about something that's their problem but the message that I'm trying to share, am I trying to contribute to something good or am I trying to contribute to further division and further hate and further, you know, so it's, uh, it's a very interesting topic. And at the end of the day, like my main focus on social media is comedy and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And my main focus on podcast is learning from people, right? Like I want to, I want to learn how, how you got to where you are in life. Like, this is so awesome. You're, you're a fencing champion. Like I want to talk to you about this. Right. So I try to always look at that through the lens of, can I make fun of it? Can I contribute to learning and growth and inspiration of somebody? And can I contribute to unification of people and, and love rather than further hate and further, further division, you know? So Yeah, that's great. It's... Yeah, yeah. I like I like that very much. I like that very much. Especially maybe adding on to that, I am not an expert on a lot of humanitarian crisis, right? And I don't want to exactly. be some one more person that mis um, educates others, right? So yes, uh, I would I would have to go and learn so much about a certain situation before I would speak up. And so I know that I can speak up about Kenya. I would I wouldn't even yeah. speak up um, about political state in Poland. I would talk to my family and my close friends. Yes, I would never educate anyone about it because I'm like I, I didn't study um, law and you know yeah. um, and that certain topic. So let me not mis 
I totally agree with you. It's one of those things like I'm a huge proponent of speaking your truth and freedom of speech. I really believe in that because, you know, you have background of um, a background of somewhere where for generations you weren't allowed to speak. You literally weren't allowed to speak, you know, if, yeah. if your opinion differed from from the opinion of the government. And that's still the case in so many places. So I'm like, okay, my grandma would be so proud of me that I made it to a place where I can speak my truth, where I can speak up more or less without consequences. Now that's kind of changing, right? Especially in Canada. But she would be so proud of me that, hey, you made it to a place like that, so speak your truth. So I always say it's very important to speak your truth and freedom of speech is really important to me. But you have to be confident in your truth. Like you have to know that this is this is the information, this is the consequence, or not the consequence, sorry, this is the conclusion that I've gathered from the information that I have. This is what it is. And I'm confident that at this moment, this is my truth, you know? Yeah. But if I'm not 100% sure, if I'm still trying to figure out and educate, I'm not just going to, you know, blur out what yeah. I think it is at the moment and, you know, two days from now, I'll be like, wait a minute, I completely changed my, yeah. like, I would rather yeah, just, yeah. I would rather just learn and educate myself as much as I can. And then if I feel compelled and if I feel the need to, I'll say something, you know? And I always say like, it's it's kind of one of those things that we we talk a lot about thinking critically, which is very important, but we've almost like forget to th think humanly, you know, like so many of these conflicts in the world that are happening, people are often almost justifying like, yeah, yeah well, yeah. We, we had to do that because like, yeah, yeah. and it's like, wait, but that's people, that's innocent yeah. people. So yeah. I, I'm always the proponent of like, wait, 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 wait. let's, let's mm -hmm. think humanly. These are human beings. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're they're the, yeah. they're us you know like yeah. what are we doing yeah. Yeah. so it's yeah it's it's a very very interesting uh, subject and i love to connect with people who also think humanly first and then they yeah. maybe turn on their critical thinking and try yeah. to analyze the situation from that perspective you know yeah. so yeah. yeah i absolutely feel that do you find like in terms of having a platform um and and being an athlete do you feel the pressure then like do you do you feel pressure to to speak about certain things or can you kind of tune it out and do you get uh, a lot of negativity and how do you deal with that so i don't i don't read so many comments um to be honest yeah. i mean there will be certain posts that's a healthy decision yeah, <laughs> yeah. there will be certain <laughs> posts where i obviously obviously know that there will be a lot of comments and um it's it's important yeah. to know what's what's um what my followers think about that issue. Yeah. But usually I just, I, as I said, I know who I am, so I don't necessarily yeah. need to listen to other people um, telling me what they think or who they think I am, even though we've never met in real life. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Those so, are the people who seem to know the right. most amount about you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They will know yeah. that I'm pregnant. I'm not, but thank you. You know, stuff like this. You're like, where did you get your information from? Um, yeah. I, I use my platform, but I try to, to use it um, for issues or things that I know of. And I've decided not to let anyone bully me into reposting stuff um, or, you know, talking about their issues because at the end of the day, it's such a global world through social yeah. media. We are all interconnected, but we still live in different parts of the world. So living in Central Europe, what what happened in Eastern Europe or what's still happening in Eastern Europe mm -hmm. was a huge thing because it's so close. Yeah. And I don't yeah. blame people, for example, from Latin America um, about not being so so involved in that whole issue because it's not right around the corner for them right and if i were living right. for example in japan i would think about different things as well um then yeah. i mean uh, africa has has so many so many humanitarian you know, crises um yes that people in europe don't think about and then don't know about they only think that about nobody posts about time. on social media exactly, exactly nobody posts know? about on social media there's um, currently a crisis going on there but there's no vested yeah. interest from from certain parts of the world so nobody exactly. posts about it on, yeah. yeah exactly i, I know so what you mean. so I'll, I'll do as much good as i can and what i love to do privately i mean i'm going to advertise for the app now because i think it's a wonderful app um share the meal is an app where you can for 70 cents i think yes 70 European cents, I don't know how many dollars, you can um, donate an, a meal for a person 
in in a endangered situation or whatever um, in the world. So um, it's so easy, right? And there might be yeah. a week where I can only give 70 cents because I'm also on a budget. There might be a week where I can give like 10 euros or whatever. So I'll do that. And I don't necessarily have to do it publicly. And I hope that we can come to a, to a point again where helping isn't only happening or apparently only happening because I shout about it. You know, and, and where we, yes. we might not be oh my so, gosh. right? And and let's try to be less and I hope no one takes it the wrong way, but less um hysterical. Because as I said, yes. just because I don't say something doesn't mean that I don't think you're right. Or that doesn't mean yes. that I think um people deserve the horrible situation that they are in. Yes. But let's not fight amongst each other just because you have the need of posting something every day. And I'm just privately donating something to that situation. Yes. And that's another question that I always have. It's like, oh, this is so, I, I love that you said that so much because people have, we've created this world where unless you are hysterical on social media and you are on the side of being virtuous, mm -hmm. you're not, you're not virtuous. You're not doing anything. And I remember, you know, when, when the situation in, our part of the world, right? And one yeah. of our parts of the world yeah. uh, had started. I mean, I have family there. I have family in, in you know, in Poland and Ukraine yeah. and Russia. And yeah. and when all of that was starting, people were attacking me on social media so much. And I had to pause because, again, I always try to think to myself, like, what am I contributing? A, B, if I'm expressing an opinion and you're attacking my opinion because my opinion differs from yours, what's happening there? Because, you know, yeah. if we have... We're supposed to learn from from difference of opinions. We're human yeah. beings that have an intellect and we're supposed to think differently, right? So we need to yeah. learn from one another. So if I'm saying something, you're attacking me, something is something is not right. And then the other thing was exactly what you said. I was like, okay, hold on a minute. All of you who are attacking me right now and yelling at me, what have you done? Like, yeah. actually, like, have you yeah. done anything to help yeah. people? Because my family had like rotations of refugees helping them and feeding them and you know all of this stuff so I was involved yeah. in that directly actually like contacting being in contact yeah. with people who needed help yeah but I didn't yell about it on social media because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know hey look at how virtuous I am yeah, I'm helping people exactly. here yeah. you know if it's if it's something yeah like take a selfie like what the mm. if it's something that requires others to help like if i'm if i'm gonna go somewhere for example and like you you just mentioned the app right that's yeah. something that everybody could use to help somebody it's an objectively speaking good thing yeah. for sure i'm gonna you know I'll, I'll be if i'm compelled to advertise something like that or if i'm compelled to maybe bring other human beings into the equa equation who could who could help sure but if it's just me in the moment trying to figure out how to help people what like this is what I'm doing, but I'm not yelling at everybody on social media. So I yeah. feel like maybe that's a little bit more help than, than just yelling, you know, yeah. and creating more yeah. hysteria. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. Also well, at a certain point, isn't, isn't the, aren't the news outlets, of course you can always say, oh, different news outlets have, have different um, stances or opinions or agendas. But in the end, a news outlet is supposed to transport the news and, we as normals, I consider myself just one person, one normal human being. Isn't it my yeah. job to make sure that as much as I can do in, in my immediate surroundings or with an app or whatever, that I do the best that I can do? I don't think that I contribute by spreading a horrific picture because someone will see it and, yes. and might just get anxiety or whatever. And they've probably already heard about it, especially certain issues. There is so much media coverage. I think reposting it the 100th times is not going to help, I guess. Yes, 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 yes. I agree with everything you say. You know, don't blame people for not becoming a a news agency you want them to be, yeah. right? Like a news yeah. news that reports the things that you want them to report and opinions that you want that person to share. Because if that person shares like an alternate perspective, you're not going to like it, right? So yeah. you want them to share what you think is... Yeah, I think, you know, social media is great for so many things, but I think it definitely has given many people an 
avenue to be really mean and really angry and say things to people that they would normally never say face to face, you know? Who has the guts like to the, say um, that face to face? I, I mean, exactly. I want to see that person. I'm I'm 5'11. Tell it to my face. I don't think you want to do this. <laughs> I'm 5'11 and I train six days a week. <laughs> exactly. Twice a day. Say it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, it's so true. You know, I think I get so much hate for like the most random stuff too. Like, you know, yeah. you know, I post a lot of stuff about resuscitating chivalry and sometimes yeah. I'll get like so much hate for it. I'll get a lot of yeah. love for it too, but I have never oh. met anyone on the street um, who was mean to me. Every single person who has ever come up to me and to tell me that mm. they follow me, they're always like, Oh my God, I follow you. Like, I love your channel. Yeah. You know, let's take a picture something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you would never say that to my face, but there's like that screen that allows you to just without consequences, they don't even have to show their picture. They don't even have oh, to show their yeah. face. Right. It's just, yeah. 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 So, but I think the more we, I guess, try to create reasonableness, at least again, maybe that's also me being a little optimistic, but the more we try to create reasonableness and spread good words and spread good things in the world, I think the more you spread it, the better it will get. That's at least what I have I mean, to believe. Otherwise, yeah, you know, yeah. I think what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're sure. still learning. We're all still learning how to use these platforms and how to how to be also honest and kind and, and, and good. So, you know, it's, it's these, these, all these channels haven't been around for such a long time yet. And um, generations like you and me, um, we didn't grow up with them. Right. So I think it's also no. up to the generation that is now in middle school to figure out a healthy way, how to deal with something that can very easily become just an alternate universe because, Yes. You don't walk around with always perfect hair and always, you know, in high spirits and always happy. So um, I think, but I think they'll they'll figure it out. Yeah, I think we are more the ones who are confused than than the ones. Yeah, that probably. Hey, like I always think of like my grandma or you know, every generation reaches a level where you're like, wow, this generation, this next generation is screwed. Like we had yeah. a good, but yeah. like this generation's screwed. And I'm yeah. like, do we? Is it just like every generation thinks that way? Sure. But it's funny, you know, you said we're, we're figuring it out still. And I always think about like my grandparents who lived under Stalin's Russia. And I was, yeah. I was, I was thinking, or under Stalin in the ex-USSR. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, like, if my grandmother would have learned that there are people making millions of dollars on TikTok by lip syncing yeah. and doing dances. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> what happened <laughs> she would be like what on yeah. earth is yeah. going on you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's so funny you got it you got to find humor in it because i mean it is kind of funny mm. right if you think about yeah. it yeah. alexandra this was an absolute pleasure uh it's so lovely to connect with you uh for our audience how can they find you how can they follow you uh maybe watch your competitions even if that's a possibility yeah so first of all, thanks for having me. I had a really good time. I always love chatting to another Eastern European sister. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I have, I have Instagram, even though we spent the last 10 minutes talking about <laughs> all the things that yeah. also go wrong. <laughs> all the dangers app. of social media. Yeah, Subscribe exactly. to my Instagram. Yeah, but, <laughs> I swear I'll make you laugh or happy. No, um, so I have Instagram, um, LinkedIn. I still have Twitter or now we call it X. Um, I'm not right. so active on X at the moment, but I wanted to come back and see how I can use that platform to to just you know be nice and kind and, and talk about fencing. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I think th those those were the I, and I have that TikTok account that might be activated soon. Um, yeah, and every, every we'll see we'll see. Exactly. All of these channels are just under my name, full name, Alexandra Ndolo. That's where you can find me. Watch my road actually to the Olympics next summer in Paris. There will be the Olympics and um, I'm on a really good way to qualifying for them. Ooh, congratulations. That's amazing. I'm going to definitely be praying and cheering for you. And I think everybody else listening to this. Oh, sorry, that cut out. Um, I'm definitely going to be praying and cheering for you. And I think our audience will do the same thing because 
that's so exciting. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's huge. So when do you find out? Uh, end of March. Yeah. So the qualification okay. is still going on. End of March, I will hopefully say that I'm qualified. But it looks it looks really good. I just I always say I just have to do my homework now, stay on course, and then on the twenty seventh of July, I will have my big day in Paris at the Olympics. Amazing. Yay. That's awesome. Well, I'll include all of the links to your socials and stuff like that in the captions for our listeners to follow that. And thank you again for your time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I will see you next week.